got a couple of passages I want you to look at. The first one is Revelation chapter number 20. Revelation chapter number 20, and we're going to read verses 11 through 15. Here's what it says. This is John the Revelator. He says, And then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up their dead, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and each were judged according to his works. Then death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. But then notice what he says, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Second passage is found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 25. Matthew's Gospel 25, verse 41. And it reads like this. It says, And then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was stranger and you did not take me in. I was naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. They will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will say to them, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. That's the the judgment of the sheep and the goat nations the Bible talks about. Then 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1 will be our last one tonight for this introduction. First, 2 Thessalonians rather, chapter number 1, uh, verse number 7. It says, And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, takes vengeance on those who do not know God, on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. And when He comes in that day to be glorified in His saints and to be admired among all those who believe, because our testimony among you was believed. Father, thank You for the Word tonight. Even though this is a subject that none of us want to to deal with because the the truth of the matter is all of us in this room know somebody who unless they have a life change, they're going to face this moment. God, I ask that tonight we don't leave here with more knowledge, but Father, I pray that we leave here with greater passion to reach the lost. God, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, good evening everybody. And as I said, uh, we're on truth number 15 out of our 16 fundamental truths of the Assemblies of God. We've been going through our doctrine and our core beliefs and what we believe. And if you start at the very beginning of this thing, we have worked our way down through some phenomenal things. Uh, we've looked at the Scriptures being inspired. We've looked at the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. We looked at the fall of man. This, and uh, we've looked at the redemption of man. We've looked at the rapture of the church, the doctrine of divine healing, water baptism, communion, uh, we have looked at um, uh, so many 
different aspects of what we believe as Christians and specifically as our church. Now, a few weeks ago, we started down this trail of uh, prophetic things. We started looking into the future. and So we looked at the blessed hope, which what we learned was that Christians are to be looking and longing for the appearing of Christ. Listen, when Jesus appears for the church of Jesus Christ, it will be a great time for those of us who are ready. Amen. Our hearts should break. Our uh, minds and our, our bodies and every part of our faculty on the inside of us should be working for and longing for reaching the lost. We should be putting our efforts, both physically, spiritually, that's prayer and, and by other things, and financially by giving to do everything within our physical power to make sure that people have heard the gospel. Listen, we can't make people accept the gospel, but we can make sure they have an opportunity to hear the gospel. That is our job, my friend. Paul said some plant, some water, but God give the increase. You may never win that person to Christ, but how many of you know you could be the very person that planted the seed and you thought that they rejected it, someone else comes along and watered it, and then all of a sudden, the right thing comes along and a sprout comes out and they get saved. Amen. That's, that's the participation process in the Great Commission. Uh, we're to go out and make disciples and, and encourage people to come to saving faith in Christ. That's what we've been called to do as the body of Christ. Okay? So after the blessed hope... Uh, we talked about briefly that seven-year tribulation period. And then we asked, what comes after that? It is the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. We talked about how uh, the church, those who have been resurrected, have a spiritual body. There will be those that have a natural body. We talked about that as well. Those who were saved and lived through the tribulation period, specifically natural Israel. And, uh, and so uh, tonight, we're going to look at what happens after end of that thousand year reign that is what the scripture calls the final judgment let's read it it's fundamental truth number 15 here's what it says there will be a final judgment in which the wicked dead will be raised and judged according to their works whoever is not found written in the book of life together with the devil and his angels and the beast and the false prophet will be consigned to the everlasting punishment in the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is second death. One of the things that we left off on last week was this perplexed idea that Satan was bound in chains for a thousand years. There was peace on earth and Jesus was ruling from Jerusalem with a rod of iron and and and. and there was no tempter out there tempting anybody. He was bound in chains. Because God is uh, fair and He's just, He had to give these people an opportunity. These people who had gotten saved out of the tribulation period, and that Christ is ruling them. We're ruling and reigning with Him. He has to give them an opportunity to use and exercise their free will. And so Satan is loose for a season. And the Bible says some of these people follow the devil into a revolt. And, and, uh, and uh, the Lord basically uh, slays them and gets, gets victory over the enemy. And then the Bible says that after that particular last battle, the Bible refers to that, you go look at it, it's the 
the battle of those nations that turn against the Lord. And the Bible says at the end of it all, every nation almost turns against Israel. Bad thing. Bad thing. God will divide the sheep and the goats and those, that, those nations that stood with Israel and blessed Israel. They'll, you know, God's got something for them. And then there's all these other things. Everyone else, they're put away. And then the Bible says that those people didn't know Christ. Those people who rejected Him. Those people who didn't have time for Him. They, they died a Christ rejecter, not being saved. The Bible says that they had to stand before the throne of God in a time of judgment. There, there's coming a moment, I want you to think about this. The Bible says we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Here's what the Scripture teaches though. There's two judgments. There's a judgment for the believers. That judgment is called the Bema Seat judgment. At that judgment, Christians are not judged whether or not uh, for, you know, if their name's in the book of life or not, because we're already saved. Christ has washed us. He's redeemed us. But we're judged by our works. What we've done in our body. Uh, in other words, the old, the old folks used to say it like this in South Arkansas. They say, that fella is going to get into heaven by the skin of his teeth. Okay? Barely going to make it. Okay? That was a, just an old saying they used to say. Well, the Bible does talk about when we stand in the, in the judgment seat of Christ, our works are going to be tried. There are some people who are going to get into heaven barely having nothing, but they still made it. That's what the Bible teaches. If you're a soul winner, every time you win a soul, God gives you a jewel for your crown. There's a soul winner's crown. If you do good, if you help the poor and you support the missionary and, and you uh, uh, speak out against injustice against those who are being uh, unjustly treated, if you help the widow and you help the orphan and you do all of those things, the Bible says those good works, the Lord sees them. We don't do them to be saved. We do them out of the fruit of our life because we are saved. And when we do them with the right motive, not to be seen, not to get a pat on the back, not to get a tax write-off, when we do those things with the right motive, the Bible says we're getting rewards. And those crowns and those, those gems are going to be given to us on the day of judgment for believers. And you know what's going to happen? We're going to take those, we're going to cast them at His feet, the Scripture says. We're going to worship the Lord with those things. It's going to be a beautiful time. That, that, that judgment happens after the rapture. Sometimes most people believe in the middle of the tribulation period. There's Scripture that lends to that regard. Those who are saved during the tribulation period, they receive their judgment at the sheep and goat nations. It says some go off to everlasting judgment, the righteous into everlasting life. That's what that means. But then the Bible deals with these wicked dead. Those who don't know Christ. And I was thinking about this thinking about this specifically yesterday as I was driving home. Last night I was able to go out to the prison. I hadn't been able to go for a couple of months. We were, I was gone to Tennessee one, one month and then the other one I was in Africa. So it just happened to miss my turn. And so I was happy to see the guys and minister to them like we normally do. And, and I was, as I was coming home last night, I began to think about our justice system. 
you know, the way our justice system is set up is we have judges and we have jurors and they have lawyers and they prevent, present evidence and the facts and, and you know, um, they ultimately have to come down to a ruling. If a person has been charged with rape, if they've been charged with murder, if they've been charged with embezzlement or fraud or whatever it might be, um, when the evidence or whatever is brought out against them, then guess what happens? The judge passes their ruling, their sentence. They may have five years in prison, 10 years in prison, 20 years, 25, life without parole, and in some cases, the death penalty. Now, here's what I understand, that our penal system, our justice system, while it does the best that it can, it is not perfect. It's not. The um, science and the knowledge that has been given to us throughout the years, which by the way, the book of Daniel says that in the last days, knowledge will increase. Things have just been, we getting... Now, we got all of this stuff that's available. Artificial intelligence is what we hear about all the time now. From, from every angle, people are using it. But you know, there have been people that have been wrongly imprisoned. There was a man that was in Angola prison in, the, in Louisiana, in the Louisiana State Penitentiary. He was there, I think it was, for 27 years. And because he was the wrong color at the wrong time in the wrong period of the U.S. He was accused of a crime he didn't do because he didn't have the money for a lawyer. He, he, uh, he, got, uh, he got a state-appointed attorney that, that also didn't like him because of who he was and what he'd done. And, and they, anyway, he got convicted and this man spent 27 years of his life behind closed doors, behind bars in one of America's bloodiest prisons until DNA forensic science started coming out, and then they found out he didn't do it. How do you look a man in the face after you've incarcerated him, ruined his reputation, stripped his life away from him, then you put him in a, a, on a bus with a ticket and some clothes and say, we're sorry. You know, it's not fair. So the prison system is not always fair. But on the other side of it, I look at some of these guys that are in there, and you know, some of them are bad, hard to the, hardened to the core criminals. Corrupt, deprived, debased, reprimand, reprim, uh, reprobate mind. But then some of these guys just made one stupid old mistake in their life, and then that's all she wrote. I got to thinking about that on the way home. Not only those who wrongly convicted, not only those who made one dumb decision, but I got to thinking about all of those people who aren't there that should be. Because just like it's not always perfect in their convictions, also it's always not accurate when it comes to their sentencing. And so I got to thinking about people who have, for 20 and 30 years, they have gotten away with crimes. You know, there's a TV show that was popular some in the late 90s. They revived it in the early 2000s. And uh, it was called Cold Case Files. And what they did was they go back and they try to, to crack these dead files, these cases where there's serial killers and, and disappearances and kidnappings and, and they weren't able to find the person at all. And so there comes a point where they just 
put it as a cold case and they close the file. And these people, walking around if they haven't died, walking around with the guilt and shame of what they've done, if they have any amount of a conscience at all, or they're walking around thinking, I've gotten away with this. But I want to tell you about the justice system of God. The justice system of God is 100% accurate. You may have gotten by with it. You may have uh, got out of a jury conviction. You may have lied to the lawyer. You may have even faked and lied through a polygraph test. But here's what the Bible says. The eyes of the Lord are to and fro in the earth, beholding that which is evil and that which is good. God sees everything and we cannot get past Him. So I want you to rest assured tonight that there are lots of people in this world that have done wicked things and we don't want anybody, understand, we don't want anybody to go to hell. I don't. There have been people I have been mad at, angry at, frustrated at, and maybe even in anger I have said some things in my past that I'm not proud of. But when it all comes down to it, the greatest thing that could happen to somebody that we're upset with is to give their lives to Christ. That's why Jesus said pray for your enemies. But beside the fact, even in all that, God's justice is greater than any of us we could ever experience. Now, I want you to think about this. Okay? Whatever happens, there's a reckoning day. Right now, everybody say right now. We are in a period of time. We are in a period of time that is like no other period of time. Theologians and scholars have, have done their best understanding to study the Scriptures, study human history, and, and to talk about how God has dealt with creation in different ages. In Adam and Eve's day, there was the age of innocence. Adam and Eve had no knowledge of the law. They didn't know right from wrong. They, 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 they were told not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So they were in the dispensation of innocence. And then there's several of these, and I don't remember all of them. There's the dispensation of human government when God instituted the judges of the land. Uh, but anyway, theologians all agree that right now from the book of Acts, from the day of Pentecost to right now where we live, we're in a dispensation called the dispensation of grace. We're in the dispensation of the church. Jesus Christ has given grace to all who will call upon His name. In fact, I love what the Scripture says. The Bible says, let us come boldly before the throne of grace where we may find help in time of trouble. Right now, here's what you need to understand. Right now, Jesus is seated by the right hand of the Father at the throne of grace. Christ's blood, when it was spilled, we just talked about it at resurrection, when His blood was spilled, I remember when, when uh, He appeared to some of the people and they tried to apprehend Him, He said, touch me not, I've not yet ascended to my Father. And, uh, and so anyway, Jesus, everything in the natural, the tabernacle, the temple, the sacrifices, all mirrored the spiritual tabernacle, the spiritual temple. That priest, whenever a sacrifice was killed, what had to happen? He took that blood and he put it on the mercy seat. Jesus died and He shed His blood. The book of Hebrews tells us that Christ's blood went on the mercy seat. 
And now it's a throne of grace. And when the devil tries to condemn us and to, and to, to accuse us, as the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren, he, he comes and he tries to present a case against Christians even. And, and, uh, and now Jesus is at the right hand interceding for us. His blood is intercepting and he's saying, no, 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 no. This is a child of mine. The blood has been applied to their life. That's why when we sin, and by the way, Christians shouldn't sin, live in sin, but neither are Christians sinless. But we should sin less. Amen? If you have no conscience, no problem living in sin, you probably aren't saved. Because listen, I can't watch a, uh, either by accident, flipping through a commercial and see something I shouldn't see that I don't get convicted about. Oh, I don't need to turn the channel. You know, and so Christians, yes, we can do wrong, but we shouldn't. We should have a desire to live a holy and a sanctified life. That have a desire to serve after God. But uh, along those lines, though, when, if we do mess up, we come to the throne of grace. God gives us help and mercy, right? Gives us grace. But the Bible reveals another side of Christ that the church of today in the Western world don't want to reason with. The Bible says when Jesus came, He came both in grace and in truth. You see, God is not only loving, He's not only merciful, but He's also just. And He's also holy. I love the way Paul wrote in the book of Romans. He says, behold now both the goodness and the severity of God. How can God be good and be severe at the same time? The truth of the matter is, He can be. Right now, if you and I come to Christ while we still have time and we repent of our sins, He's so merciful. He doesn't give us the punishment we deserve because now we are placing our faith in what Jesus has done. But there is coming a day, listen to me closely, this may be for you to hear for a grandson, a spouse. It may be for somebody listening on a podcast or watching online today or someday down the road. When God instructed Noah to build an ark for the saving of his family, Noah built that ark. He spent time out there preaching. It had never rained. People acted like he was crazy. He was building that ark. He was with every hammer and, and nail that would ricochet and echo throughout that ark. And, and Noah would say, the rain is coming. And the Bible says he was building an ark for the salvation of his family. But you know what? The book of Genesis records that there came a time when the door of that ark was shut. God opened up the windows of heaven and poured out the rain. Once the door of that ark was shut, those that were in that ark were saved. Those that were not in that ark were lost. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Right now, you and I and our loved ones are able to approach God in grace. But there's coming a day where God will no longer sit on the throne of grace as we know Him to right now. But He will sit on the throne of judgment. And the Bible says that every person will stand before the throne of grace. Or they'll stand before the throne of God in judgment. See, that's why we always say, you'll bow now, or you will bow later. But you will bow. This is heavy. 
Bible tells us a lot about this process. I want to look specifically before time escapes me tonight about this judgment. In all three of these passages, it describes this day of reckoning which the Lord will judge the wicked. If you're looking at notes or anything like that, the very first thing, very simply, I'll tell you this. I want to, number one, look at the certainty of judgment. It will happen. It will happen. God is just and He is um, not only just, but He's also fair. He weighs it all. His scale is not imbalanced. He looks at the whole picture. But Revelation chapter 20, verse 11-15 through 15, describe the scene of the great white throne judgment where the dead, both great and small, will stand before God to be judged according to their deeds. See, this passage emphasizes to us tonight that there is no escape from this judgment. Hebrews 9.27 states it very emphatically that it's appointed unto man once to die, then judgment. Look back at Revelation 20 with me. John writes, he says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. There was found no place for them, and I saw the dead, both great and small, stand before God, and the books, not just one book, the books were opened. The dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in their books. Can I tell you something? God has a book in heaven recorded about your life. Think about that. God has a book in heaven recorded about your life. Everything you've done, everything that you have said, everything that whatever. Uh, if, you're not, if, if, you're, if you become a Christian, He wipes out all of that transgression. Then we're judged by our, by our works, not our sin. But our sin though, we don't know Christ. All of that's recorded. Now I want you to think about something. I'm not a mathematician. In fact, it's my least favorite subject. But let me tell you. A lot of people say, well, I'm, I'm a good person. One person was discussing heaven with one of their loved ones when, a, when an uncle had died. And this uncle was not a believer, but he was a farmer. And, you know, he gave people part of his crops and he helped people that needed money and he fixed their cars and he did all this and they were talking about it about old uncle I, I don't remember his name I will just say uncle Johnny well, uncle Johnny who died and the 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 mom was struggling because she said I, I I believe heaven is a place where good people go but the question is what is good the bible says there's none good no not one scripture says sin separates us from God. So what is, what is good and what is bad? You say, well, I just tell, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not that bad. Like, I, I maybe tell a lie like maybe twice a year, okay? Twice a year. That's not too bad, right? Some people lie every day, multiple times a day, right? Twice a year I lie. Well, in 35 years, if you, you know, add that up, that's 70, that's 70, 70, transgressions. I got news for you. Most people miss it more than just twice a day. Some of you missed it twice since you've been here tonight. Can you imagine if we weren't talking about sin 
and we were talking about traffic tickets. I'm not a bad driver, officer. I only get two tickets a year. And you come to the end of your life and you're trying to plead your case. I'm good. I'm good. Well, see, sir, uh, the problem is you have 75 unpaid traffic tickets right here. Now, nobody in their right mind would stand there and say, I'm innocent. No, the guilt would be staring back at your face. And here's the truth tonight. One sin, this one, is enough to separate somebody from eternity. Christ. The good news though, that when you come to Christ, His blood covers your sin. And that debt is cleared and covered. Tonight, we're dealing with those people who have said, I don't want no part of that. Now they're standing in front of God at this certainty judgment. But I want you to make no bones about it tonight. It is going to happen. The Bible says that in verse number 14, it says, Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We see the certainty of judgment. Uh, I'll go quickly tonight. Number two, we see the severity of judgment. Not only is this a certain judgment, there's the severity of judgment. Matthew 25 goes on to describe tonight what exactly happens. This judgment of the nations where the wicked will be separated from the righteous and cast into eternal punishment. This passage emphasizes the severity of this punishment which is defined as eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. The Bible says that it's a place where the smoke of their torment ascends up day and night forever and ever and they have no rest. Hell never is over. The lake of fire burns with fire and brimstone forever. It never goes out. Never goes out. Terrible thing to think about. Think about this particular aspect. Some people think that they're going to have a party when they go to hell. And we're just going to go to hell and party with my friends. I've heard people say that. We're just going to have us a good old time in hell. That's not what's going to happen. Hell's going to be a place of agony. It's going to be a place of torment. Be separated from the tangible presence of God for all of eternity. In utter darkness, yet fire burning. So many things that we can't explain with the natural mind, but it's something that the Bible says is a, a just recompense of reward. Because there's not one person, Scripture said, that will be able to stand on judgment that day and say that they're not guilty. 2 Thessalonians. I want to look at this passage one time. 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 7 through 10. Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica and he tells them um, in verse uh, number 8 that the Lord is going to come from heaven with his mighty angels with a flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who don't know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power, when He comes in that day to be glorified in the saints, and to be admired among all those who believe, because of our testimony among you was believed. Uh, that's powerful. It speaks of the severity of judgment. 
But tonight, got to ask ourselves question though. In light of this, who can be saved? Who can have security in knowing that they won't face this penalty that's facing them in their lives? I want to read just two verses, and these are not on the screen, but from Acts 17. Acts 17, verse number 30 and 31, and here's what it says. It says, truly, in these times of ignorance, speaking of the Old Testament, God overlooked ignorance, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because He has appointed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness, by the man whom he has ordained, who he has assured to all this by us, by raising him from the dead. The Bible says there was a time where God winked at ignorance. That doesn't mean God overlooked sin in the same way you and I take that. What it meant is, is that God dealt with people throughout seasons of time according to the knowledge in which they had. Okay? That's what the Scripture says. That's why even the Old Testament saints, like the prophets, who prophesied Christ's coming. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, they died in faith, not receiving their promise. But yet, when Jesus was on the cross, He went down and made a trip and let those folks out of that, that, that paradise prison and took them on up into glory. Powerful. God winked at ignorance at one time, but now He commands all men to repent. Why? Because He has appointed a day in God's earth of wickedness. That's why we've got to be bold and passionate in our demonstration of preaching the gospel to people and to convincing people now that they need to be saved. I'm convinced more people don't get saved because they don't see the need to be saved. Christianity in the West, if we're being honest, is treated more like an accessory to an outfit. Follow Jesus. You get a nice purse. You get a new necklace. Listen, Christ doesn't want you to put on a, a, a new leaf. He wants a whole new tree. He wants a whole new creation to come to Him. It's not Christ plus my life. It's Christ in place of my life. Christ's life for my life. So what's the security from our judgment? That when we repent and come to Christ. We do that. What happens is we accept the punishment that was due to us, which was Jesus on the cross. Wrath of God, the Lamb of God crucified. But whenever Jesus took our place, we say yes to Jesus. I know that I'm sinful. I know that I cannot do this on my own, but I need a Savior. That moment, our payment and our penalty has been paid for. Ooh, that's good. That's good. Paid for. You don't have to pay for it twice. Jesus paid for it. Security from judgment. Now, it's about time to wrap up, but let me give you something sobering. I thought about something. I'm going to share something with you. And it, it may... This, this passage of Scripture... A lot of times when I've shared it with people, I'm going to be honest with you. But 
I want you to meditate on it this week. We'll go back next week. They can't wrap their mind around how God in His justice and judgment could do such a thing. How eternity would even be a place joy and no sadness and no sorrow with such a thing would happen, but what I want to show you in just a minute. But I had this reality looking at this judgment scene. So the Lord, the Lord at the end of this millennial reign fights His enemies, judges the nation. Then there's a scene change. Scene of Revelation 19, uh, at the end of 19 through 20, and then into our text tonight, Revelation 20. John switches from an earthly scene where Christ is ruling from Jerusalem and then he switches to a heavenly scene and he takes us into the throne room of God I've wrestled with this I've looked at it I've asked people who are smarter than me I've looked at the original language I've looked at different translations most people tend to agree that this judgment of the wicked dead happens in the throne room of God not on earth but in I want you to understand something. Hell, when a person dies who doesn't know Christ, I'll try to go fast. When a person dies who doesn't know Christ, they are guilty. They just haven't been sentenced eternally yet. God knows they're guilty when they die. They're guilty. They are sent to a place called hell. Okay? Hell is a place of torment. Hell is a place of judgment. But it's not necessarily a place of permanence like we think of. I say it like this. Hell is like the judge sentencing you to prison, but you have to go to the county jail until they have time for you to go there. So you're, it's a holding place. Believers, to be absent from our physical body, we're present with the Lord. That's in, in uh, that, that heavenly state. We're, we're fully alive, fully conscious. We don't believe in soul sleep. We are fully alive in the presence of God. But yet, the wicked dead go to a place called hell. Jesus talked to, 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 uh, to us about that when there was a man who, who died and buried in hell. He lifted up his eyes in torment. He saw Abraham uh, and, and the rest, or, uh, his people afar off in Abraham's bosom. Okay? He saw the righteous dead in a compartment of the underworld that was not a place of judgment. That's the place Jesus came and emptied out whenever he came down there. Now, so, they're at the throne of God, right? In the throne room. And they're sentenced, judged on their works. That last book is open, and whoever's name was not written in the Lamb's book of life passed into the lake of fire. Here's one of the saddest things about people. Go to eternal damnation. One of the last things they ever see physical realm glory throne of God forever tormented with what they could have had didn't no hope I want to close with this scripture because in the after this judgment Revelation 21 opens and says this I John saw New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven Bride adorned for her husband. Sees the heavenly city come down and sit on the earth as God has renovated the whole earth by fire. Totally wiped it out. Now, in the millennial reign, what did we say? Those Jewish people come through the millennial reign. 
their natural bodies? Say, that doesn't make sense. Sure it does. Leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nation. What Genesis, Isaiah, and Revelation say. Drink water from the rivers of life. How God sustains them. So, outside of Jerusalem today, you were to go on an Israel tour. They'll point you to the valley of Gehenna. One translation says Gehenna. When Jesus made a point to his disciples about everlasting fire and a place where the worm dies and is never quenched, he was pointing as a good illustrator the trash dump in Jerusalem that was in the valley of Gehenna. It was a place where the waste and everybody brought their trash and it burned. They always were adding to it and so it never went out. And Jesus said eternity is going to be like that. Let me show you the scripture. And I promise you I'm done. Blow your mind. Some of you have heard me say this before. Some of you have never heard me say this before. And it's going to, it's going to cause you to wrestle. But I want you to think about it. In Isaiah 66... Turn to verse 22. Prophet prophesied the Lord's birth, His suffering, humanity, and our healing. He, he prophesies the Lord's second return. He also looks down into the future. Here's what he said. Isaiah 66 and 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I shall make remain before me, says the Lord. So shall your descendants, your name remain. You know who he's talking about? Israel. Those natural people. He said, and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, one Sabbath to another, all what? Help me. All what? All flesh. When are we talking about? New heavens, new earth. All flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Look at this next verse. For they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me. For their worm does not die. The fire is not quenched. They shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. You see, it's called the lake of fire. Because it's actually a lake that sits upon the earth during the, the time of the new heaven and the new earth. And it'll be outside of the gate of the city of Jerusalem. And while Christ ruled with the rod iron in the millennium, these natural people, they're going to walk by that and see it. Keep them in line. Because it's the judgment of God. People ask me, they said, are we going to see our loved ones down in there? I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, what I do know is, is that we're not going to have a carnal mind when we're in heaven. We think very carnally right now. We think according to the flesh. We think according to these things. But the Bible teaches that during this time, God's eternal justice is going to be something that's remembered throughout eternity. We'll pick up there next week. Hope I gave you something to think about. There's a lot in this Bible we don't look at. We've got to dig in, get out of the kiddie pool, put on our floaties if we're worried about drowning, 
jump into the deep end. Because it's in here because He wants us to know about it. 